have the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roller with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? You look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year where we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey, Bob, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy's day. It was me and Rank. I mean, how do you look? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. And welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. This is episode 68 here, and I've got Bob hiding in the back room because all he's talking about is chicken wings. Uh, <laughs> right now, I'm more of a Subway guy myself. More on that a little bit later. But joining us today, we have got the one and only Dave Richard joining us from CBS Sports. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing awesome. That was an awesome intro. The, the mm. Dynasty Viper and the snake going around. It reminds me of Jake the Snake Roberts mm. um, from, you know, a little bit back in the day. Maybe I'm dating myself a little bit, but Jake and I have a little bit of a, of a history. And mm. so anytime I see snakes or anything like that, I immediately think about Jake and, and uh, our, our fun times together back in the day. They, they weren't so fun for me. They were pretty fun for him. No, you're right at that home in those, like with those um, those references from uh, what late '80s uh, wrestlers somewhere around there. Yeah, I mean, I, I got late '80s, early '90s. Jake was yeah. still doing his thing. Yeah, the golden era, right there. Man. Yeah, we're with you. Yeah, excellent. Uh, I'm glad I'm not talking to a bunch of millennials. We are we are all that old except for Tara. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Exactly. Right. Hi guys. <laughs> Tara, you know who Jake the Snake Roberts is? Have you ever heard that name before? What was it? Have you ever heard the name Jake the Snake Roberts? I have, yes. Okay, okay. okay. So okay. you're not that young. <laughs> you are one I'm an us. 80s kid. I'm an okay. 80s, yeah. Cool. So, no, it's funny that you she guys just doesn't look like about... No. She looks younger than the rest of us for sure. Uh, we were going to talk about rock and wrestling. We talked about the 80s. Rock and wrestling. You remember that Hulk Hogan, the cartoon back in the day? Of course. Didn't miss so, an episode. Uh, I kind of got into it. I, I, I was doing some research for one of our shows here on the Vipercast because I like to do some weird digging in on backgrounds and this and that. And it was, I think it was Rob Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond voiced Hulk Hogan's voice. But do you guys remember who Junkyard Dog was? Oh, yeah. yes. I remember the, the superstar Junkyard Dog, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but in the cartoon, do you guys recall who voiced Junkyard Dog? Oh, no. No. It was the voice of Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince. He oh, voiced what? he voiced the junkyard dog. So what? there's some little uh, what's his name? James Avery. I can't remember. Yeah, I'm yes, not good James with names. Avery. Is it James Avery? Does that sound right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's about right. He was the voice of junkyard Rest dog in, in 1985. Absolutely. Rock and wrestling. Paul oh, Hogan's rock and wrestling. So we like that's the kind of information we like to bring on this show here. Sure, <laughs> sure. Brad Garrett's still going strong with comedy too. He has, he's got one of those distinguished voices. As soon as you hear it, like if he voices a character, you know right away who that is. Yep. He once did a comedy set in Vegas that I was at, and he ended it by talking about how he can't stop his dog from eating his own poo. And so he asked the audience if anybody had any ideas on how to do it. And somebody said, well, I think you're supposed to put Tabasco sauce on it. And he's like, I've tried it, and he still eats it. it I think that crazy. makes it better, right? Yeah, I, I think better with Tabasco. I don't. I, I can't vouch for for that. 
specifically. You can put Tabasco on the chicken wings if you really need to. Yeah, yeah. We should keep talking about chicken wings. That sounds good. Right about now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll have plenty of chicken wing talk as this, the show goes on here. Yeah, uh, Sometimes chicken wings taste really good smoked. I've seen that happen once in a while. I don't know if that's an actual thing or not, but I just kind of want to segue nicely. FF Barbecue Club. I wanted to segue nicely into the smoke show that's going on in training camp. Right now we're hearing down in Duval County that Travis Etienne is getting a lot of reps at wide receiver. And some people are like, well, maybe this is the best thing for James Robinson right now is these reps for wide receiver for Travis Etienne. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this, Dave. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that there's really no good reason to have Travis Etienne take handoffs in a no-contact rookie minicamp, especially when he had almost 700 carries in four years at Clemson. I think he knows what he's doing (laughs) when it comes to getting a handoff or getting a toss. Um, But he probably needs a little bit of help when it comes to running routes and catching passes. He can get Sand to be a little bit better there. And so they're cross-training him. And what better time to do that than in, you know, basically a meaningless rookie minicamp? Uh, I think it's going to add value to him. I think it puts him in the – you can make call him a candidate to be a 50-catch running back right away. Uh, and sometimes I get a little aggressive with those numbers. I got aggressive with Antonio Gibson last year, and he didn't come close to the 225 catches that I thought he was going to have, but he's okay. Uh, no, I think I think I think ETN can get over 50 catches this year, and I like hearing what I'm hearing. But I also think he's going to get plenty of carries. And I know it's just bad because we all love James Robinson. I think the best case scenario for Robinson is that he turns into like the Jaguars version of Mark Ingram. Yep, which would be great. We we would take that. We would love that. But that means he's very touchdown reliant, and that would then mean that. ETN would be the Jaguars version of Alvin Kamara. And holy hell, that's a dude that gets double-digit touchdowns and 80 receptions a year. Um, that would be pretty good. That would be better than expectations for Travis ETN. But he does have that kind of potential. And then some people, this is the best part. You guys will love this. Some people, because I tweeted about this, and they're like, well, he's got to learn how to pass block. Well, no, he doesn't because he wasn't good at it in college, and they're not going to put him in a position to do that. And you know, Trevor Lawrence obviously knows that he can't pass block. Oh, he played <laughs> with him for all that time. So just have him run around, have him get out of the backfield. Lawrence gets rid of the ball after a second and a half on like two thirds of his throws anyway. So that'll just be another time where he does it. It'll probably go to ETN, and ETN will probably break a tackle and he'll get the first down, and everybody will be happy in the fantasy universe. So is ETN the starter except the, day one? I, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be on the field for the very first snap, if that's what you're saying. Um, I, I, if you're asking me who's going to get more touches week one between James Robinson and Travis ETN, I might say Robinson because they're taking on Houston, and that's probably going to be an easy type of win for Jacksonville, especially if Deshaun Watson's not playing. So – it wouldn't surprise me if Robinson started the season with like 14 or 15 touches, mm-hmm. most of them carries. ETN, maybe he gets around 10 or 11. But you know that by like week five or week six, it's going to be ETN taking taking a lot of the work. It's it's the rushing touchdowns that I'm worried about with ETN. In, um, your, in your opinion, when is the best time to move Robinson in Dynasty? Three weeks ago. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, obviously, yes, but but right now, one, you know, as soon as as soon as ETN hits the field or week two, week three, 
Okay. Here's what I think. If, if Robinson is the real, first of all, no one's going to give you much for Robinson right now because they're all going to say, you know, he's, he's, he's on the back burner. But if he proves, even on less work this year, that he's still a good running back, and he's, he's got vision on his side, that really made a difference. Mm. I would say he's got like elite-level vision, uh, and that makes up for a lot of the skills that he has that aren't on the, the elite level. But if he proves it again, dude, eventually some team's going to knock on the Jaguars' door and say, we need a running back. What do you want for Robinson, who you signed for nothing in 2020? Mm. They'll say, give us a draft pick, and the Jaguars will do it. And they'll say, well, we can find some other running back. They might do it this year. You know, a team like Atlanta, I was going to say Arizona, but I don't want to jinx that. A team like Atlanta like didn't really do anything like to that address their, their run game. And so if, if Mike Davis ends up getting hurt or something, well, just down the road from Atlanta is Jacksonville. They can call them up and say, we'll give you a third-round pick. Send us James Robinson. Boom, Robinson's value explodes. That's the time when I would say – I'll take offers on James Robinson because people will buy on the hype of him having a much clearer path. Now, the flip side to that is that he might actually stink on less work and he's not going to catch as many passes with ETN there. And so then the value is going to be nil, but the value is close to nil right now anyway. So if I've got, if I've got Robinson in dynasty, I'm just waiting. I know I can't start him with much confidence, but I'm waiting. Is it a lesson though? Can we can we look at this maybe a little bit differently and say that the move to wide receiver and you know whether real or not, we'll see. But could it have some effect on Lavisca Chenault and maybe put a cap on the ceiling of what we expect there? Yeah, it probably will. But I think it's gonna if if we were if we're living in a world where ETN is catching fifty passes, that probably means he's getting in the neighborhood of like seventy targets. And mm-hmm. if we're taking and and this is going to be a Jacksonville offense that's a lot different than last year. You can't even. Mm-hmm. You can't correlate anything from last year. We're looking at an offense that's going to be very up-tempo, lots of shorter passes, lots of pass attempts. It's going to be built around Trevor Lawrence. Make no mistake about that. He might throw 600 times this year. So Mm. even if he's throwing 70 times to ETN over the balance of the season, that's still plenty left for everybody else in that offense. What I'm curious about is whether or not LaVisca Chenault's going to play in the slot more than anybody else. Because Mm. we saw it in Clemson that especially last year, that Trevor Lawrence loved leaning on Amari Rodgers, loved having that slot guy, somebody who had reliable routes, who could get open short of the line of scrimmage. And remember, Lawrence is trying to get rid of that ball quickly. So the LaVisca can be that guy, and LaVisca's good after the catch. So it would make sense for him to be that guy. But it's not up to me. It's not up to any of us. It's up to the Jaguars what they want to do with Chenault. If they like him, and, and we're going to get a pretty good idea, you know, thank God we've got preseason games this year because then we're going to know kind of how these teams are thinking. But if you see Chenault lining him in the slot with the first-team offense, then the coaches are basically telling you, we're going to start the season with him in this role. And that's a good thing. Then we could probably rely on Chenault. Maybe he gets 50 catches. Maybe he does it on 80 targets. Still plenty left over for Chark. Still plenty left over for Marvin Jones. Still plenty left over for Tebow. Well, the Jaguars will be the- come on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even do it. You're doing so bad. <laughs> it kills me to look it kills me to look at his uh his statistics because he's born in nineteen ninety-eight and uh yeah, that's the year I graduated high school. How about that's the year uh, I graduated college? Thank you very much. <laughs> but from this I point. mean he was still averaging four point five yards per carry. Yeah. Yeah. So like if he's ago. averaging 4.5 yards carry for 
say it was less than 200 rushes he takes? That's still a pretty solid number. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. We, we, uh, let's, I, I have a hard time believing he's even going to make the team. I think mm. I actually think it's a pretty smart business move by the Jaguars. And I know I don't know anything about what's going on in that front office. But number one, they're going to sell a ton of Tebow jerseys. Yep. Mm-hmm. Number yeah. two, normally, they're going to sell a lot of uh, Lawrence jerseys too. Well, they you know what? It might be Tebow one, Lawrence two. It could be. And here in Florida, man, they are crazy about Tebow. It would not surprise me in the least. But think about it. Like last year when Joe Burrow was the number one overall pick. Every camera in Cincinnati was focused on him. And national media, when they came through Cincinnati, their focus was on him. And the Bengals were relevant and interesting because of him. Now the Jaguars have somebody that's like a lightning rod for this stuff. And Tebow's going to be sitting on the sideline grabbing, you know, water from the, the, the hose or whatever, having some Gatorade. And the cameras are going to be on him. The reporters are going to want to talk to him. And they're not going to be on Trevor Lawrence, the number one overall pick in the draft. So it takes a little bit of that spotlight off of Trevor Lawrence, and it puts it on Tebow. And then mm-hmm. if this team's going to be on hard knocks, how good is that going to be? We're either going to get, we're mm-hmm. going to get a video of, Tim, you made the team, or, Tim, sorry, you didn't make the team. Either way, it's going to be a pretty compelling moment if, if the yeah. hard knocks are the team. You sold me. I'm in now. It'll be the most important. <laughs> Do you think there might be actually part of strategy involved here? Urban Meyer, Tim Tebow knows how Urban Meyer likes to coach. You're bringing sure. in a young quarterback like Trevor Lawrence, kind of a mentorship kind of role. Hey, this is what Urban likes on this. This is what Urban likes here. I can't throw the ball more than 12 yards on an out, but you can, and this is how Urban likes it. You know, kind of that mentorship, <laughs> at least for training camp. After training camp's over, he doesn't need to be there anymore. Like, sure, well, yeah, you get the marketing, but – Sure. Little but Matt, I, I think that I, I think that Urban Meyer is looking for guys that he's comfortable with. And it mm-hmm. seems like a, a good blend of the players that the Jaguars uh, acquired this offseason were either guys that he used to coach, and there weren't a lot of those, but there were also a lot of guys that he tried to recruit. Trevor Lawrence was one of those guys. I'm pretty sure ETM was one of those guys too. And mm. so anybody that he recognized as someone that he wanted on his team at Ohio State He's going back to get them. And Hyde is someone who knows. Carlos will remember what Urban wants from his run game. And Urban Meyer's a big-time fan of the run. Make no mistake. You're going to see a lot of running. It won't be like it, – it's still, like I said, it's going to be about Trevor Lawrence. There will be plenty of running. But Hyde is there to kind of be a mentor there. I'm not sure if Tebow's there to be a mentor to Trevor Lawrence because, I mean, Trevor Lawrence really is a supreme passer compared to Tim Tebow. I think what we've got to worry about in fantasy is if Tebow makes the team, is he really just going to play tight end or is that son of mm-hmm. a gun going to end up working in some goal line packages? Because Maybe Taysom Hill, jump passes. Could you imagine having a touchdown vulture by Tim Tebow in the year 2021? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, yeah. you could have on your team. You could have ETN, you yeah. could have James Robinson, you could have DJ shark. Nope. Sorry. None of those guys. Tebow's running it in. And it's smart well, for the Jaguars for him to do it because he's good at it. I think he's good at it. I, I mean, he hasn't done it in nine years, but in well, theory, he'd be good at it. And the truth is, Tim Tebow is still five years younger than Taysom Hill. Isn't that right, Kelvin? <laughs> <laughs> he's saying that because I'm a Taysom Hill fan. But um, Okay, that's all right. Taysom's got but, some good qualities. 
Yeah, um, Daryl Bevel, there's some connections there, too. And you mentioned the slot. Marvin Jones worked yep. in the slot for him a lot last year, too. So that's, I kind of wonder in Dynasty about maybe trying to sell off on Chenault right now um, as a little bit of a sell high. Because he's got a, got a lot of buzz, and I just don't, there's a lot of lot of work being done right there that I'm not sure he's going to make, you know, be able to fit the way we want him to, unless he can work outside. I think if you can get a top 14 pick just off the top of my head in your rookie draft for Chenault, I would take it. In a 12 team? Yeah. Okay. It could be in any team as long as it's a top 14. But I'm trying to think about like yeah. the top 14 players I would draft in mm-hmm. a rookie only. Um, I'm, I, it might even be a little bit deeper than that for me, deeper than 14. But, I mean, that's one thing you can do if you've got Chenault on your fantasy squad. Make a list of all the rookies that you like, the rookies that you would take if you had an extra pick. Go to the team that's got the highest pick that you think is reasonable for Chenault. You can go to 1.10 if you want and say, okay, uh, I'll give you Chenault and a third-round pick, and you give me 110. And they'll say, you know, blow it out your butt, and then you go to 111, <laughs> and you just work your way down until you find someone that will give you the pick straight up for, for Chenault. There you go. So, Great advice there from Dave. And uh, to properly uh, reset, because that's the end of our football talk now, and we're going to go into our roundtable where we're going to get to ask you some questions here, Dave. And we should properly introduce you as Dave from a city outside of Miami, which I think is maybe the right way to do it there. Thank you. You've heard from so Matt, nice. obviously, up there in the top left. Um, and just to go ahead, Bob is down there in the bottom left, uh, coming from his basement somewhere in the Northeast. We've got Tara down there in the bottom with her Clemson, uh, in the background. And of course, major right below me here. So I'm Calvin and hobby. Very glad to have you here. Grateful to have you in, uh, to the show, Dave. And now we're going into the Viper pit and it's okay. It's not, it's not too scary. Don't worry. We always start with a nice, easy question. We were talking about some music before the show. So it's a nice, easy music uh com- comment you mentioned wrestling if you were a wrestler and you had intro music that was going to introduce you perfectly to the crowd get you pumped up get them pumped up for your match what would that intro music be oh man can i i mean i there's a bunch of wrestling themes that i like that i would love to have booming you, you remember the old school demolition theme or the Legion of Doom theme? Mm-hmm. I, I would say the Legion of Doom theme. If I could just lift that and use it again, um, that thing, that thing slapped. It was good. Well, just uh, just the what a rush right off yeah, the yeah, yeah. 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 Like I, I, I could go for that. That's that's a that's a hell of a theme. Um, you yeah, know they asked me. I, I'm on the uh, I'm on a radio show in Washington D.C. And they always ask me, what do you want your walk-up music to be? Mm-hmm. And like everybody else that they ask, they go with like a really cool song or a really popular song, maybe something you hear at a ball game when you're, you know, in between, you know, innings or periods or timeouts or whatever. I chose a, a David Hasselhoff song for, for mine. <laughs> and, and I can't believe they play it. But like, they're like, whenever you're David Hasselhoff, you know what that means. It's time to talk fantasy football. And like, yeah, I really just do it like just to be silly. And I have friends who live in DC, so they they know it's like an old fraternity thing. So like it's I don't know, it's just something stupid and fun. But that would not be if I was gonna go to the ring and wrestle a match, I'm not walking down to David Asseloff. That's not gonna happen. Radio spot, okay. Wrestling, give me the LOD. Nice. Nice, nice. So let's let's dive into you and go back to sports that you did growing up. So tell us about the sports that you played growing up. We know your favorite team is not Dallas, but what is your favorite team? 
My favorite team is the Chicago White Sox. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a big White Sox fan. I grew up in Chicago. Uh, and when I was a kid, I played a lot of t-ball, played a lot of basketball. Uh, my parents wouldn't let me play football. My dad was like a all-state defensive end as a freshman, and he blew out his knee. And this is like early 1960s blow out your knee. So I, I don't even know how they, they probably put it back together with like string and who knows what else. Like it's not like it is now. And so my mom, knowing that my dad blew his knee, she didn't want me going anywhere near it. And, and I'm, I'm a big dude. Like I grew, up, I grew up, I sprouted pretty early on. I was a big kid in middle school, one of the big kids in high school. And so they were always asking me in high school and in college, hey, you ever play football? And I just never did. And my parents wouldn't let me. When I asked them if I could play, like literally at the University of Miami, they're in probation. They need bodies. So they asked me, how would you like to, you know, come work out with the team? My dad said, it sounds great. You can pay your tuition the rest of the way. And I said, ah, Miami tuition's a little too rich for me. I think I'll just say no to the football team. That, that was a little tough to do. Um, but those basketball and baseball and floor hockey were like my three favorite sports to play growing up in Chicago uh, in the 80s and early 90s. So you mentioned the Sox there, and mm -hmm. you got to mention the, the Chicago Blackhawks in the 80s and 90s, the owner kind of put a whole kibosh on the whole system there. How, how, you know. I know you mentioned floor hockey, but if you're playing floor hockey, that means you kind of like hockey. Were you able to get into the Blackhawks at all there with the whole situation? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I, you know, the Wurtz was the owner and the, the family is still the owner, but the family yeah. wised up after their dad, Bill Wurtz, died. Um, he was a very unpopular owner in Chicago. Uh, I was never, I think I went to like one Blackhawks game as a kid. I was never really into it. And then uh, as they got better and the ownership changed, I paid a little more attention. And I was into it when they were running through their dynasty in the 2010s, you know, first half of that decade. Um, but even right now, like, I, I don't know if the Blackhawks are in the playoffs. I don't think they are. Um, so I'm definitely, like, not the biggest Blackhawks fan, but I'm a fan. Yeah, I don't have any sweaters in my closet or anything. I think I have a couple of their shirts from when they won the Stanley Cup. It was cool when they won the cup, but I'm I just never really got into hockey that much. Well, we are big fans of watching people like us who are probably a little out of their prime compete in athletic events. So I'm going to, I've asked this question. We've asked this to Chris. We've asked this to Heath already. Uh -huh. If we could bring Chris and Heath and Jamie and yourself and have a little mini CBS combine, you know, we'll get you the onesies, little tidy onesies there. Uh, oh, the God, underwear man. Olympics for you guys. Who's going to perform? Who's going to wow the scouts? Who are we take watching? Who's pulling off which events here? Jamie is the most athletic. I, I would imagine he's probably the fastest. Uh, Heath probably has the best vertical. I think Heath can still dunk a tennis ball, which is pretty I, We heard about that. Important. Yeah. We heard about that little bet there that went on once upon a time. Uh-huh. He, I he, remember that. He did that. Um, what could I do better than them? I think I could probably catch footballs better than them. Hmm. I've got pretty good hands. I've got nine and three quarter size hands, so I think I can. I think I can bring in a football better than they can. Um, but I'm I'm definitely the slowest. Um, who's the strongest? 
I don't know. I, I might be. I, I don't honestly like. I, I don't know how often Jamie and Heath work out. Um, maybe we're, we're all pretty close in terms of like what we could bench. I don't think any of us could do two twenty-five. Heath, my my guess would be that Heath is the strongest of the four of us. And then I'll, I'll defer to Jamie and say, Jamie's got a little bit more muscle than I do. And then uh, I'll, I'll be third and then poor Chris will be last, but Chris is still strong. Chris looks the toughest. If you, you know, you get a look at Chris, he's got the shaved head and the beard and he's got <laughs> tattoos. Like he's, he, he's the, I think he's probably the toughest of the four of us. Well, if guys like, Tib Tebow and Calvin Benjamin can make a run at a tight end position in 2021. Maybe Dave Richard can make a comeback there as well. Hey, I, I, I can get you, you know, when you need three yards, I can run three yards and turn right and get open and catch the ball. And when you need six yards, I can run three yards, turn right and catch the ball and get you three of the yards. That's yeah. it. There are offensive linemen that are faster than me for sure. Easily. I am, I am very slow. Staying on a competition – um, who's a better writer, um, you or your mother? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's his mother. It's it's my my mother's a published author, so I would absolutely say that she is. She is a. If, if you're into mystery novels, she has penned three mystery novels that you can find on Amazon or on her website, which is Palm Circle Press. Um, these are murder mysteries. This is her second career. She grew up as a educator in, in Chicagoland. And um, she just, she decided she wanted to become a published author. Not only does she have three mystery books, but she's got a children's book called Naughty Nana, which is a real life story about a sheepdog that my parents have, along with two grandchildren that my parents have. So I, uh, I'm really proud of her. She's really an incredible writer and an incredible person. And she's absolutely an inspiration to me. So even though I've had stuff published in magazines, I think mom gets the nod as the better writer in the family. Have you ever tried to write a children's novel or a mystery? I've got, I've got a couple of ideas for a children's novel, but I don't know if they're going to ever, like, they're not for children. <laughs> they're, for, they're for adults. These are not like so these are like grown-up children's books. That might be a I'm going to pitch an idea here real quick. Maybe we go with Naughty Nana 2, where it's like a children's murder mystery novel or something, where Naughty Ooh, Nana right, goes right, like... Right. There's a yeah, dead yeah. child in the book, and Nana dresses up like... Well, I'm not going to say she's murdering children or anything, but I'm no, saying no, no. She's Nana the goes crazy. Dark. She's the detective, you know, trying to solve who's killing all these kids in this neighborhood. It's heartwarming. That might be a great genre, like children books for adults that that might be a thing yeah i mean it's going to be easy reads for adults too you know for the ones that don't know how to read or anything like that they can just go and now my, my, my daughter's here looking at me like i'm crazy for bringing it you know what if you put pictures in it i will read it i won't read the words my just daughter don't make them in color because idea. matt really cannot handle color pictures <laughs> okay well we'll make a, a black and white version for him my daughter reminded me that we have a good idea for a movie. You know, when I went to Miami, I studied to be a screenwriter and uh, didn't work out for me. You know, me in L.A. Uh, never even happened, much less mixed. But I've got some ideas for movies that could uh, maybe one day, maybe that'll be my second career so, to write go. movies someday. But for now, I'm focused on football. 
Very cool. Uh, so kind of diving into fantasy sports, I'm going to ask you two questions. What okay. your, what your first, uh, what first sport did you play? Cause I know a lot of people, it wasn't actually football, but what was your first fantasy sport? And then what's your favorite league that you've played in? Tara, my first fantasy sport was football. Um, oh, cool. it's, it's 1997. I'm a junior in college. And one of my buddies says, Hey, join this fantasy football league. Have you heard about it? Have you heard of what fantasy football is? And I wasn't really into fantasy sports. I didn't know what it was, but I was definitely into betting. And uh, I said, no, tell me about it. You pick players, you draft players, you set a lineup. Okay, sounds cool. How much? You know, 20 bucks. Okay, sounds great. Let's play. And I was terrible. I was horrible. My team won like two games. And uh, I still thought it was fun. And I kept playing for a few more years. And then once I got serious about it, and it was like 2001, I was like, all right, I'm going to pay attention to football year round. I'm going to track every move. I'm going to keep my own set of depth charts. This is before the internet was really full with like a million different places to go to get football information. This was really before analytics was a thing. Uh, I did it myself. And the year after 2001 was the first year I won a fantasy championship. And I think I played fantasy baseball before then, but I didn't think I was very good at that either. And I, 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 I love the White Sox, but I don't love baseball. So I, I, uh, I really didn't pay that much attention. I was probably a bad fantasy manager mm. when it came to fantasy baseball. And, and now if you go and you look at all the leagues I'm in, I'm in 20 fantasy football leagues. I am in exactly one fantasy baseball league <laughs> that I share with Jamie Eisenberg. And it's ale only, and it's in our office. And we just lost the game this week by like four points. It was really a heartbreaker. <laughs> But I really, I just, I don't pay as much attention to baseball as I do to football because I took what I learned in 2001. I pay attention to football all year round. So fantasy was the first game that I played. And Tara, I forgot your second question. Uh, your favorite league that you played in. My favorite league that I yeah. play in is the one that, okay. It's a keeper league that's actually with some of the same guys that were still in that league that I was in in 1997. Nice. Awesome. So it's been going on. This is, I guess, year 24. And the league has evolved. And, and honestly, there's maybe three people that are still in the league that were in it in 1997. And the league is basically, uh, if, you know, if you know me or if you know my buddy Dom, you're in the league. So, like, my brother-in-law is in the league. And my cousin's in the league. And my two best friends are in the league. And Dom's brother-in-law is in the league. And Dom's brother-in-law's best friend is in the league. And so like a couple of other fraternity brothers that we have are in the league. So it's become like a real close knit group of people that I was already close with half of them. And my friend Dom was close with the other half. And uh, just, it's a fun league. It's not dynasty. It's a keeper league, but it's, it's a blast, man. We have a really good time with it. That's one that I've won recently and very proud of. Uh, that's gotta be my favorite league. So just to kind of go on to this as well here, cause you, all these are buddies of yours. This and that. Your rankings are published. They're out there for anyone. Do your rankings ever get used against you time. by your buddies? And all Constantly. of a sudden, Constantly. They, and, and here's how they're used. <clears throat> Let's say Dom is picking right before me, and he's debating two players. He'll go to my rankings and see who I have ranked higher, and he'll know, <laughs> well, if I don't take that guy, Dave's going to take him, and Dave likes him more, and Dave does this for a living, so I better take that guy. I get sniped constantly, and it's not just—it's not just with my buddies. It's with my buddies at work too. 
mm. where where it's and, and listen, Jamie and Heath and Chris, they've all got their own set of rankings. They all think their own way, but that's their tiebreaker. Like if, if I'm picking at the end, if I'm in the 12, 13 spot and Heath is at 11 and he's debating between Tyreek Hill and Joe Mixon, I'm just throwing names out there. I don't even think I've got Mixon ranked quite that high, but he knows that I like Tyreek Hill more than Joe Mixon. He'll take Tyreek Hill first and he'll hope that I don't take Mixon because mm. he'll get Mixon with his next pick. So <laughs> it, it, it definitely happens. And don't worry, it, I, I use it against them too. The yeah. ones that are, I, I can't use it against are like Adam Azer because he doesn't have published rankings. And mm. I, Chris, Chris's rankings, I'm not sure where they are, but they're not in the draft room. Mm. Uh, our producer for the podcast, Ben Schrager, he, I, I don't know where his rankings are. Um, our editors, RJ White and Dan, uh, I, I know his last name, I'm blanking on it, Dan Schneier, I think that's it. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry, Dan, I'm sorry. Um, but like, I don't know where their rankings are. I want to use their rankings against them too, so I can benefit. <laughs> And I can't do it, but they can all do it to me. It's kind of unfair, but um, you know the rule that we have at CBS is however you really feel, that's what goes up on the site. You can't sandbag and say, yeah, I don't really like Devontae Adams. He's fifth for me, and then take him first. You can't be a hypocrite. <laughs> you got to be honest. You got to be honest. <laughs> I, I tried to do that. But it you try to be a, like dishonest with your rankings? <laughs> no. I, with my friends. Oh yeah, sure. If I could get away with it, I would too. I just can't. <laughs> but maybe uh, I could. Like, what if I go to my friends and I say, "Yeah, that the rankings you see, they're by somebody mm, else, a different day. Right. They're not really yeah. how I yes. Feel. It's more with of a consensus than it is my own opinion. <laughs> right. That's how you got to play. Yeah. Well, you read on the site that that's when I threw the darts at the wall, and that's how I came <laughs> up with my order. And then that's what you read. It's not how I really feel about it. Just, just hold off on updating those rankings a couple extra days after the draft, right? Yes. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. I don't want to get fired. I, I want to keep the job. So I'm going <laughs> to – ultimately, happened, I will be honest and true. That happened to uh, John Bosch and I. We, uh, we released a podcast uh, about three days too early because all of a sudden the rookie drafts came out and uh, Kyle Pitts went to the moon. Mm -hmm. So yeah. – we could. I, I tried to. I tried to trade Christian McCaffrey away for Kyle Pitts, and I couldn't wow. get it done. Wow! Is it a tight end premium? Yes. Okay. But it's also a running back premium. Not okay. Not mm. okay, Dave. Okay, then it's not okay. <laughs> not good. No. Well, hey, if Pitts is your guy. You got to do what you can to try and get him. That's so, amazing that they got turned down. Yeah. No. Uh, Matthew Berry actually retweeted it. Huh. Okay. So Dave, you mentioned your first league and you mentioned, you know, nobody was quite looking at the analytics and you had to put all that together yourself. And so I just imagine you with these spreadsheets and looking at things mm -hmm. in different ways. And at some point you realize like, Hey, I, I might could do this like more than just as a consumer. I could be a contributor to this space. What was that journey like? Like, was there a, a bell that went off or a moment that you can remember that, that, that you realize like, Hey, I've got something to offer here. So giving you the very short version of this, I got hired to cover pro wrestling, bringing it back around to wrestling. Uh, at, at, it wasn't exactly CBS Sports back then. It was a site called Sportsline, and it's mm -hmm. not the version of Sportsline that's around now. Um, but it was, it was affiliated with CBS. They had another site called WrestleLine, so they brought me in to be a, a content producer. And within a week of me starting, and this is in very early of 2000, they knew 
that I was a, like a, a football junkie and that I loved it and loved fantasy. And, you know, anytime you need anybody for, to talk football, come see me, even though I'm in wrestling, uh, mm-hmm. come see me to talk about football. Fast forward about a year and a half later, and uh, the CBS Sports won the right to follow me here. They, they, they won the right in an auction to produce the NFL's official website. Okay, so the NFL wasn't sure if this internet thing was going to be like for real, I guess. And they wanted a a reputable company to run their website for them. So the very first person that they moved over to work on the NFL's website was me. And I was there to be an editor. And after a few months, I think they started letting me write a little bit. And then somebody in New York called us and said, hey, we're starting to get some requests about fantasy. Anybody in your office good at fantasy football? Do they know, you know, can they write about it? And, you know, my hand went up right away. <laughs> and every, my editor said, this is perfect for Dave. He plays fantasy in the league. And so in 2003, I believe it was, I started writing about fantasy for NFL.com. I was the first guy on their site to write about fantasy football. For them. And it, it grew to having a weekly column. We had a Sunday morning chat. Um, I, there, were, there were no podcasts back then. Um, there were rookie preview articles, and I had a lot of help along the way. Um, when I was on NFL.com, I did a lot of work with Gil Brandt, who used to run the Dallas Cowboys before Jerry Jones took over. Uh, I worked with Marv Levy, who you guys know who Marv Levy is. I don't have to tell you. Pat Kerwin yeah. was, mm-hmm. is the former Jets executive. Now he's got a show on Sirius XM. But, I mean, three guys who made their careers in football teaching me everything they know. And so I, you know, I might have graduated from the University of Miami, but I got my real education from three mega professors that taught me a lot about football. And I've learned a lot from them even since then. Um, So now where are we at here? Like around 2003, 2004. In 2005, CBS decides that they want to do more fantasy football content. They hire a, a managing editor and the managing editor finds me. Uh, he had an opening and he said, I'd love to have you come over and and write for us instead of the NFL. Are you interested? And I said, yeah, because that job meant nothing but fantasy football Mm. all year. Whereas with NFL, yes, I wrote about fantasy, but I also had to work with Gil and Marv and and Pat and had to edit other people's stuff. And there were a lot of really late nights in the office and it was more money. So it, it was a great opportunity to go there. I really got lucky um, to, to fall into a job and get my foot in the door with sports line because of wrestling. And then I got lucky to just get yeah, you, you know, fantasy football, right about fantasy football. Mm-hmm. And then from there saying, Hey, we want to do more fantasy football. You're already in the building. Can you come over? Can you change departments and work for us? So, and fantasy's just blown up ever since. So, um, it's, it's, it was very fortuitous that I got to this spot. Um, and it's just, it's just been a, a fun ride ever since. And, um, I, I, I realize how lucky I am and I try and work hard every day to pay the rent on this gig. Um, cause I want to keep it and I want to try to help people win their fantasy leagues. So keeping along, um, keeping along this, uh, topic of the journey that you've taken from the beginning to where you are now. Uh, you've seen a lot. You've seen transitions within the industry. What are some of the biggest changes that you have seen from fantasy sports when you started to fantasy sports now? Well, I just I, I think just the way that people consume media 
and it's not just necessarily in fantasy football. It's just in general. It's just it just continues to change. And you know, we we went from all we used to do was just write, and that was it. You had a column, you had an email address. People could like email you back and forth, uh, and there were chats, and that was it. Um, then there started to be radio appearances, not even full shows, but radio appearances. And then it just blew up. We did video, but there were like little segments. There wasn't a whole show. Now we've got live shows mm. uh, six days a week. We've got podcasts now. We've got social media. Uh, I'm here doing a live stream with you guys right now. Mm -hmm. And we're all in different places. And we, we, we all have something in common. We all love fantasy football. We all love talking about who's going to be good, who's going to be bad. In this specific instance, the six of us love to just talking about the industry and how it's blown up. It's it's just the way that the media in general has just exploded and people find ways to gather their media. I, I think it's I think that's the biggest thing. But the one difference between, say, fantasy football media and other media is that fantasy football media tends to be the guinea pig. So they'll try an idea with fantasy football mm -hmm. and. And then they'll do it with other, you know, niche audiences too. Twitch is a perfect example with esports. And they'll, they'll, some executive somewhere will say, "Hey, these people figured out how to do it great with fantasy. We can do it great with a golf show or a baseball mm. program. Or uh, the president is going to speak at three o'clock. Let's stream it, and we're going to put it on YouTube and wherever else." So. I, fantasy football has kind of been the guinea pig. I feel like podcasting is certainly an example of that. Mm -hmm. We were podcasting. God, we were, we were just talking about this. When did we start? I think it was like 2006 or seven. Mm -hmm. um, we started doing our podcast. It, it was, a, it was originally me and Jamie in a room and we had to be done by 45 minutes. Otherwise we couldn't get the damn thing to load. And now <laughs> it's, it's turned into this thing where we're doing it all the time. We're podcasting all the time now. And, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think just th that's my answer is that just the media itself is just blown up, but fantasy kind of led the way for that. And one of the niche um, subjects that, that did that. Yeah. You spoke the second ago about your podcast um, that you've been doing for so long. <laughs> this is 2006. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, what, what are some of your more memorable podcasts or, or interviews? Oh my gosh. Um, Interviews that were on the podcast or just interviews in general? Uh, let's go with the podcast since you've been doing okay. it so long. Yeah. We, I don't know, our, our, you know, our favorite podcast interview wasn't even about football. Um, I got the writer of Die Hard to come onto our show nice. to talk about whether or not Die Hard was a Christmas movie. We were talking about whether or not Die Hard was a Christmas movie in like 2007. Nice. So long before anybody else was doing it. Azer is wrong. Azer is absolutely wrong, but he's the one that brought <laughs> it up to us. And that was like the first thing that like, like just it somehow stuck with our audience. Like they, they, would, they would ask a fantasy question. And then at the end of their email, they'd say, by the way, Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie. <laughs> Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. And so after a decade plus, I, I reached out to a guy. His name is Stephen E. D'Souza. And I said, we've got a podcast. We've been talking about your movie for a decade. We'd love to get a definitive answer on whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And he generously came on with us. 
We did a whole separate episode. It was an explicit episode. We're never explicit on a, you know, of course not on a, on a CBS Sports <laughs> podcast. Um, but it was it it was very wait, fun. Wait, what's the answer? Oh, it's Is a Christmas it? movie. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, okay. We, confirmed from the screenwriter of the movie Die Hard. And like I told you, I, I wanted I, I went to college to be a screenwriter. This guy was one of my idols. He's written a ton of amazing movies. So to have him on, that was kind of special to me. Um, other podcast interviews that we've had, we've we've had Alan Robinson sit in on a podcast live in the studio. We've had um, people on Radio Row um, where we're just we, we do like a quick podcast interview with them, and and that's all the guys that you see doing interviews during the Super Bowl. Um, Jamie and I made a bet with Azer one year. There was one year where I think it was the Saints. They started out five and zero, and the Falcons were zero and five. And they played, and Adam said that the zero and five Falcons were going to beat the Saints. And Jamie and I said, "No way!" And so we agreed to a deal where if if Jamie and I were wrong, we would have to feed each other a sandwich. And we were wrong. So there is video. There is video on YouTube. That you can find if you Google Jamie Dave uh, sandwich, there is video on YouTube that you can find of Jamie and I feeding each other. Subway sponsored it. Subway sandwiches. Oh, uh, I, I thought you were gonna go with Mr. M. No, I, on, Subway was one of our sponsors. So that like was a funny moment. Someone's hacking into our system. News. Hang on, someone's someone's hacking into the system. Subs. They're already not within the spirit of the bet. They're using the paper to hold the sub. Go ahead. The best part about this today, Adam, is that they both have a chance to get some of the sub caught in their chin hair. It's very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Oh, I saw a string of saliva there. That was the best moment. (laughs) That's Jamie's sub. Yeah, that was it. Is that the voice of Nando? Oh, yeah, Nando was with yep. us. I'll tell you, what, you, you and Jamie look really young in that image. Two things. Two things. I think I look almost exactly the same, but to say that I look young, man, God bless you. Compliments. <laughs> Thank you for Matt, that all the way. Matt, you're 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 the man for that. The time that was impeccable. <laughs> Kudos to you. And Dave, you look he like you enjoyed that a little too much, buddy. I don't know. You're like, like you're more. Do you not see you're me? Like, you're like, like, come on, more. Give me more of the sound. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, if yeah, someone's going to feed me, I'm taking it. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> of course, of course. He's got to play it off. Like your partner there, he was like, oh, like oh, but you're just like more. Give me. Give me the sandwich. Yeah, you know, maybe I was playing it up a little bit at the mm. time. It, it was, you know, I think I bit Jamie's finger at one point. <laughs> well, I think the thing that was misunderstood there is, if I'm not mistaken, you were wearing a lot of brown for that shoot too, were you not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nando had a, a funny line about how I was wearing nothing but brown that day. Uh, and then I think Azer had a line that said, I think the biggest upset of the day is that Dave didn't spill on his pants. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, that, yeah, listen, but like it's it's funny stuff with that, mm. especially when it comes out of thin air. And then that bet came out of thin air. Like I didn't mention if we had won the bet, if Jamie and I won the bet, Azer would have had to have grown a mustache. And ever since he then, he, he refuses he to make a bet where he has to grow a mustache. <laughs> there is no way he can. Oh, no, he can. He is a hairy individual. <laughs> he is, he, he's like a werewolf with his facial hair. He, he has to shave every day. It's unbelievable. Oh. 
Reminds me of someone else over here. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. Hey, if you want to know what Azer looks like, you probably, you know, Photoshop the mustache off of Matt and put it right over <laughs> Azer's face. Oh, oh, oh we, we, we definitely have Photoshopped the mustache off of Matt. We have. And we, we have made a sticker out of it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, That's perfect. <laughs> no, Matt's, Matt's got the best facial hair of anybody in fantasy football. No doubt. Yeah, it's been yeah. good. I've grown the big duster, the handlebars, and everything. And mm -hmm. I actually, oh, he had, he had a full Hogan. He does oh, that that's overnight. cool. That's cool. And listen, that's saying something, Matt, because Heath also can do masterful things with his facial hair. Mm. But you've got him beat. I'm convinced. You, you know what? It's really about the only thing I got going for me. I got no good takes when it comes to fantasy football, so I'm really oh, hoping. That's why we did the stickers. It's like, let's put the sticker out there. You know, let's fake it till we make it, make it here. Let's put a little lipstick on the pig, as we as we like to call it. So <laughs> that's kind of where that came from, the mustache. <laughs> so, Dave, I guess the the one of the biggest questions that we like to ask too is is if you you've talked about a many of things that are hobbies and other interests and things like that, but if you weren't into fantasy football, like, or if it just didn't exist, what would you be doing today? That's a great question. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, like, what would my job be? I'm scared to even think about it. Hmm. Um, I'd probably be writing something somewhere, or I'd be, maybe I would have gone into like, go back and get a degree in education and become like a, a teacher at a school. And then like maybe a football coach at a school, you know, mm -hmm. where I might be. Um, there was a point in my career where uh, I tried to be a scout mm -hmm. where I had an opportunity to try and scout players and write scouting reports. And uh, you know, when I did it, I didn't really know what I was doing. Uh, my reports were not like how the NFL reports were back then, but they were reviewed and they were sent <laughs> around and critiqued and all that. And I, I'm still trying, you know, I've taken courses on like how to scout players and mm. how to write a perfect report. And um, I've gotten feedback, you know, CBS does work with Scott Pioli. Scott's given me feedback on a scouting report before. Um, I'd, I'd like to think that I'd be okay at that. Um, but I, I wouldn't, a lot would have to change. Like not only would fantasy football not exist, but also like, my family like I, I wouldn't go and become a scout and be on the road 300 days a year away from my family i wouldn't yeah. want to do that um but maybe maybe i'd be the uh a director of player personnel or something like that for a football team maybe I, that would be my goal to eventually get to a point where i'm not on the road that much but i'm still helping an nfl team unearth players and, and fit them into our offense and defense and special teams Maybe I'd be doing something like that instead of being, you know, writer, you know, like a marketing writer or something like that. So I had a couple ideas here kicking through. After watching you feed Jamie, I thought maybe assisted living. You could do something in assisted living there, sure. helping feed people. That's an option out there for sure. Yep. Um, Alex Trebek has recently retired. I think Jennings and Rogers and all these, they've started a bunch of these guest hosts to kind of replace Alex Trebek. Could you replace Pat Sajak on Wheel of Fortune? Is that something that you could do? <laughs> I heard someone brought in Wheel of Fortune and told me I had to mention that. One of our, one of our uh, loyal listeners. Yeah, uh, I was on Wheel of Fortune in 2006. The episode aired. Uh, yes, I could host that show. I wish I could go back on it as a contestant, but they won't let you do it. Uh, but once, um, tried out for it, got in. They were in Fort Lauderdale. For a special week on tour 
and uh, I won every puzzle except for one during the regular game. And then I couldn't get the puzzle in the bonus round. And uh, I, I refused to look at, you know, like Pat Sajak shows you, here's what you could have won. I refused to look. I wouldn't look at it. Now, I found, I've obviously watched the episode since, and I know what I didn't get. Um, but I, I was ticked off then, but I still did very well for myself. And it was an incredible experience. Here's the best part. And this is, I don't know, if I've told this part, it was years and years ago, if I've told it. So I may not have ever told it. So if you've ever watched an episode of Wheel of Fortune after the bonus round, like when they roll the credits, it's Pat Sajak and Vanna White talking to the big winner of the show, that episode. And so literally, like I'm, I just, just absolutely blew the bonus round. And I turn around and here comes Vanna White, like Americana on heels, walking over, offering her hands. It was like meeting the queen. Um, nice to meet you, Vanna. And, and like the three of us, me, Vanna White, and Pat Sajak are making small talk while they're running the credits for the episode. And so there's like, you know, we're, we're just standing there and I turn to Vanna White and I go, Vanna, have you ever played fantasy football? <laughs> Hold on. And she goes, no, because what would Vanna White do playing fantasy football? Pat Sajak says, football is the farthest thing from Vanna's fantasies. <laughs> Which I was like, okay, Pat, you went there. All right, that's fine. Um, and then Pat told me that his son plays fantasy hockey. This was, again, this is like, you know, 15 years ago. Um, so like no one plays fantasy hockey now. And here is Pat Sajak's kid playing fantasy hockey and Pat talking about that. And, uh, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was just a funny way to end what was a very surreal day for me, um, kicking people's butts on Wheel of Fortune. That's a video I know you don't have, Matt, by the way. I, you're not going to find that on YouTube. Are you sure? Uh, I'll have to do some digging. He's pretty good. He's pretty good. <laughs> I love how you <laughs> shot though with with uh, with Vanna. That's like the best I've ever heard. Most people are like, hey Vanna, you want to go on a date? You're like, hey. Oh, I know. I'm out of. Uh, she's out of my league. There's no one. <laughs> Plus, my wife was like standing five feet away. There's my wife's better than Vanna White anyway. There, good call. There you good go. Answer. Good answer. One every round, but one. That's really impressive. I like Wheel of Fortune. That's I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's see how good you guys are. Do you guys have scratch paper nearby? <laughs> no. I, I can't. I do. I okay. Do. Tara, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz right. you. Let me get anybody a pen. else has paper. All right. Blank. Blank. A. Blank. Blank. N. Blank. Blank. One word. I'm sorry, there's an L in front of the A. So it's blank L A, blank, blank, N, blank, blank. This is for everybody else to do at home. It's a living thing. You've got 15 seconds. What is it? It's a living thing. Living thing. Blank, blank. It's been about 15 Kyle seconds. Pitts. Anybody got anything? Cow pits. Oh, does it start with a P? Does nope. It... No? Nope. I wouldn't even tell you. Buzzer, time's up. Can I get an A? Elephant. <laughs> oh, no. Now I'll give you no, the first it's letter. not an elephant. Get no. out of here with your elephant. <laughs> I'll give you the first letter. Let's see if you can get it now. F. Flamingo. Flamingo. There you go. Oh. Bob, get out of here. 
And now my wife is, is calling to me from upstairs saying, you're doing the Wheel of Fortune thing. <laughs> <laughs> and she's laughing at me. They made me do it. $30,000 either. <laughs> my 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 father is the golf pro at Flamingo Lakes in in Pembroke, and, and that's what everybody says to me is, Dave, you live in South Florida. There's flamingos everywhere, right? There's no damn flamingos anywhere. No, okay, we, no we've got lizards. Not. We've got birds. The only um, flamingos are in the zoo. No flamingos, like they're in the zoo only. So I get razz about that all the time, but you know, I yeah. still won about 30 grand in cash and prizes that day. And Pretty I've got good. memories to, to last you, a lifetime. You can buy a lot of wings with 30 grand. That's <laughs> trust me. I know. <laughs> so diving back to fantasy sports um, okay. over the years, tell us, you know, tell us one or two things that you've learned um, about yourself over the years through fantasy. Um, I, I try to, I'm really good at like, when I get something right, I don't toot my own horn. I don't take victory laps. Um, I'm proud of myself when it happens. Uh, I, but I'm, I'm really good at like being level-headed when a, a call I make comes true. But when, when a call I make fizzles out, I get really down on myself. And it used to be, it used to be that people would just come out of the woodwork on Twitter and just be mean. And now people aren't nearly as mean. I don't, not to me anyway, as they used to, but it didn't matter back then because nobody was harder on me than me. And so what, what I try to do now is not be as hard on myself when something that I have absolutely no control over um, doesn't go the way that I think it's going to. And I know that the only way to combat that, that helps the people that follow my advice is to just work my butt off as much as I can every day of the week during the football season, plenty of time during the off season. And that way I can look people square in the eye and say, I tried my hardest. I did as much research as I could. I put the best foot forward. And if it didn't work out for you, of course, I'm sorry, but it also didn't work out for me either. And it's football. Like of, of all the sports that are out there, it's it's the hardest to predict because the it's just such a like it's a it's a beautiful game in that there's so much unpredictability, but it's also very frustrating because you think, oh, this guy's playing against this terrible defense. He should run for 150 yards and two touchdowns. Well, the defense that's terrible changed a couple of players in their personnel and they came to play today. And we didn't know that they were making that change. And the running back only had 55 yards. And it happens, it basically happens like 15 times a year where a player that you think is going to do well doesn't do well. And then, you know, is it really my fault that you didn't get the fantasy points that you thought you were going to get? Not really. Yes. You want to blame me for it? Okay. But while you're blaming me for it, at least you know that I put in a lot of effort to get to this point. I didn't just wake up one morning and say, yeah, I think uh, Willie Parker is going to do good today. Um, it, it, it wasn't like that at all. It was recent. You, you got to go Mark, a little more recent because most of the listeners do not know who Willie. Tara, Parker do you know is. who Willie Parker is, or are we are we over <laughs> your head with that one? No, well, a lot of the listeners. Uh... <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, we 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 could say James Conner since we're staying with the Steelers or whatever. There you <laughs> go, Martin. Okay, but, but but like that's so that's one thing I've learned is that if I'm good at not 
tooting my horn, I've got to be able to like not take it so hard when I get something wrong. The other thing that I've learned is that if, if you're going to be in any industry where you face the customer or the audience, whatever it is, you, you have to make them fans one at a time. And so I, I honestly, I truly believe in the power of answering people's tweets, answering people's emails. You can find my email address in my Twitter bio. Um, I've tried other social media places. It just doesn't work like Twitter does. I love interacting. I love talking with people, especially about football, because it's so much fun. And there, people see the game differently. No, it's not something that's so obvious that you see it the same way. Maybe you can when it comes to like simple arguments like, is Tom Brady the GOAT or is Russell Wilson good? Like those are easy, but like the start sit questions, people can come at you from six different angles from every single one as, as long as it's not, you know, like the most stupid start sit question ever. And it's, it's great to talk about. And if I'm putting in the time and the effort and the research to go over these players, and honestly, the, the time and the effort goes in on the players that people have questions about. I don't spend a lot of time week to week on Christian McCaffrey because I think people are starting Christian McCaffrey. But w when people have those questions about those players, I love reaching out to them. They've got, you know, who do, who do I start between? And now i got to think of somebody, you know, reasonable. Um, Kenyon Drake or... Um, Josh uh, Jacobs. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> well, I've got an email from John in Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Who do I start between? Listen, they're going to start Drake a lot this year, by the way. Like, all everything I, points to it being a very rough year for Josh Jacobs, but it could yeah. be something like that someday. And so, I'm going to have to come up with reasons why one is better than the other, why I think one will have a better game than the other. And honestly, if they're to a 50 50 point, it'll probably be Drake who I say, but that's if they actually get to that point. But you get what I'm saying. I like helping people. Um, and I like giving my advice. I hate it when it goes wrong. Um, but to me, reaching out and interacting, even on that one-to-one -one basis, answering somebody's phone call on a radio show is, is the exact same thing. Happy to help them. Happy to make them a fan. Hopefully they win. Hopefully they come back. Maybe they even they, they get my opinion and they go against it because they think I'm a schmuck. Whatever it takes. To, to help them win, I'm happy to do. Um, but that's that's really what I've learned in 15 years of fantasy writing and analysis is don't be too hard on yourself and put in the time to interact with people. Mm, very crucial. What about IDP? Blake Martinez or Devin Bush? Bush. Wait a minute. Do tackles count? What's the tackles? tackles are well, we'll go with one point for tackle, half point for assist and tackle. Yeah, I think it would have to be Blake then. Without knowing who they're playing. All right. And we, uh, so we talked, we got to talk about this a little bit before, but wanted to circle back to it. Um, relationships in the industry. You know, tell us one or two guys that um, have been a crucial relationship to you along the way. So I already mentioned that Gil Brandt, Marv Levy, Pat Kerwin were guys that were crucial to me. Um, Gil especially was great. Um, seeing him get enshrined in the Pro Football Hall of Fame was incredible. He's an absolute living legend and basically a historian who was connected like you wouldn't believe uh, and, and still is connected, by the way. 
um, he's got very valuable information and he's also a hell of a guy and a very generous guy. And I'll tell you what, um, when, when we were doing fantasy football today, a lot of the times we would have a former player on with us. And there are two former players that I used to work with. There's three actually that I used to work with that I still keep in touch with. And they're great guys. And one is Brian Jones, who you can still see on uh, college football today. Um, I think that's what it's called. Certainly he's on a show called Inside College Football, but he does the college football pregame on CBS. Um, great former linebacker at Texas. Um, just an outstanding individual, a great guy, someone who I always turn to when I've got a question about linebackers. Um, we've talked a lot about football. We've talked about life a lot. He's a great dude. Brian Westbrook, who you guys know from his days in Philadelphia, uh, was an amazing fantasy running back. Uh, when he was on our fantasy show, he took it so seriously. He had notes. He, he cared about running backs. Um, there was a year where I was touting Alfred Morris as the sleeper of the year, um, and he was on board with it. And he said, yeah, I see what you see, Dave, with, with Alfred Morris being the, the running back in Washington. And sure enough, like Alfred Morris had a great rookie year, and he had a great career on top of it. Brian and I still talk all the time. Whenever I've got a running back question, I go to him. And then we had Chad Johnson on our show for a year. And Chad just, you know, he's, he's got this really fun, upbeat attitude. Um, what you see on Twitter, it's what he's really like in person. Really great guy. Someone else who I still keep in touch with from time to time. Um, really, when I really need something at, about a wide receiver, I can reach out to Chad and, and he'd be happy to, to coach me up on it. So those were three guys um, when I was really like with CBS Fantasy that I've done a lot with. And, and that's not to say that other guys like Brady Quinn, Danny Cannell, um, there, Bryant McFadden. How could I forget about Bryant McFadden? Um, those guys also help me out. Brady helps me out a lot too. When I've got a quarterback question, I go to him. You know, we, we're, we're really fortunate that we've got a lot of great former players that, are, that hang around our office and that share their thoughts and opinions with us. And sometimes I'll see something some way and I'll, I'll, I'll turn it around to Brady. Hey, Brady, what did you – I watched Trey Lance play. How does he get any better? How does he become more accurate? And he'll say, well, take a look at his, his body mechanics and his footwork. Do you really think that that's perfect for him? Do you think he's really all the way there? Okay, maybe I'll go take another look at it. And, of course, Brady's right. He knows this stuff better than anybody. So I, I'm, uh, I'm lucky that I'm around all these guys and that I'm, I'm really lucky that I'm around people that have been able to teach me so much about football. Nice. Um, you mentioned earlier that you do football year round. Um, so what do you have in store for the rest of the off season? Uh, I'm in the middle of a project right now where I'm grading every element of every team's defense. And the reason why I do that is so that I can get an idea of which defenses are going to be great, which defenses will be okay, which defenses will be not so great and which defenses are going to be the jets. And I take that, those grades, and I plug it into the NFL schedule because matchups mean something in fantasy football. So that's, I don't like strength of schedule where it's based on last year's record. And I get the idea of using strength of schedule based on Las Vegas's win totals. That's fine. But I, I want to find the matchups that are going to be favorable to a running back early in the year or to a passing game early in the year. And those are going to be the players that I'll have ranked a little bit higher. Um, and, and I'm working on that project right now, and it should be done by the end of the week. And I, I've done it every year. 
And not every single one pans out because a lot of defenses take on injuries or, you know, a player who was good last year isn't good the year after. Um, but I get a pretty good idea of which players I really like to get because of the schedule. And so one of those teams that I think is going to be really good this year because they've got a favorable schedule is the L.A. Rams. And they've already got Stafford at quarterback. They've added a bunch of speed. It wouldn't surprise me if we had a really good year from Stafford, from Robert Woods, from Cooper Cup, from Cam Akers. I, I think that the Rams offense could really go next level this year, and it's helped along by a lack of really tough defenses that they're going to face. Nice. And our last question here is, for those of us trying to make it in this industry, what's some good advice that you can, some fatherly advice for all of us trying to make it sure. in the industry? Uh, well, definitely interact with your audience. You know, when, when you guys do the, the, the podcast, absolutely take questions at the end of the podcast, or maybe you have a whole podcast dedicated to questions and ask for them on social media, you know, create a hashtag. Our hashtag is ask FFT. People use that. It's easy for us to find those questions and it's easy for us to answer them. Or if they leave you a great review, on like the, an Apple review, you could read those questions as part of the review. So I can say, hey, I will listen to your podcast. It's awesome. Here's my fantasy question. I gave you five stars. You answer my question on the podcast. Um, otherwise, I, I really feel like you know, it's so easy to say something like find your voice, but it's really more about be yourself, find the data that you really believe in, and then stick with it. And, and, and believe in it. And don't be afraid if your rankings are different. Don't be afraid if your perspective is different. Everybody's got a different perspective. Uh, I was on a podcast on draft night where uh, it was with the Fantasy Mansion. So Matt Kelly uh, and Josh Larkey, I think his last name is, uh, they were questioning whether Christian McCaffrey was still the 101 in redraft because the Panthers drafted Chuba Hubbard. And it was it just like... Like at first I was like, oh, you know, how could he not be the one-on-one? But they were making some pretty good sense that Chuba Hubbard could actually like take some work away from McCaffrey. And he only played three games last year. And the Panthers would probably like him to be healthy. And like they made the case, at least they made the case that Chuba Hubbard could dig into Christian McCaffrey just enough that he might not be worth the one-on-one. Not saying that that's what they're saying, just that they put it out there and they presented it. So there are so many different perspectives and so many different ways to go about analyzing fantasy football. Find yours. Find the one that you believe in the most. What has made you, what has helped you win your fantasy leagues? Go with that, whatever that is. Is it a draft strategy? Do you take quarterbacks early and you win every year? Man, preach that to everybody. Put it out there. Put together a draft day game plan that people follow because you've done it and you've won with it. And when you put it out there, even if it's got to be one at a time, man, make those fans one at a time and say, okay, you know, you're, you're a random Twitter follower, but you're interested in what I have to say. Of course, I'm going to answer your question. And maybe we have a little conversation about it and answer as many of those questions as you can. And that helps build your audience so that more people can come and watch me uh, feed Jamie Eisenberg a sandwich. <laughs> like very tactical. Just don't, just don't feed Azer. Yeah, I don't think we're going to do any more feeding bets. I think we would have done one by now if we were going to do it. But we need to do – like the last bet we did was like you've got to do 20 push-ups. And that was just – it wasn't really – Well, was it great. a Kit Kat that Azer had to eat? 
or Butterfinger. 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 Yeah. He's not a fan of Butterfinger, so he had to yeah. That that was great. Yeah. Well, make him. I've done a lot worse for a lot less, so that's all I'm going to say yeah. on that. <laughs> Me one. too, but it was before I did this job. <laughs> well, well, Dave, I know I speak for everybody when I say I so appreciate you taking your time to come hang out with us, and I think everybody learned a lot, and there's a lot of a lot of great words of wisdom there. Um, if we want to support you during this off season, like the quote unquote off season, what what are you working on, and how, how can we how can we support you? You know, you can always follow me on Twitter at Dave Richard. Um, but honestly, I'd rather you check out and keep in mind CBS Sports HQ. This is our live streaming channel. If you can get Wi-Fi on a device, you can watch CBS Sports HQ for free. Make a deal with me. The next time there's breaking sports news in any sport, hmm. remember CBS Sports HQ. You can even go to CBSSportsHQ.com or you can download the free CBS Sports app. And you will get breaking news analysis immediately on whatever that breaking story is from our experts in every sport on CBS Sports HQ. Like just this past week, um, the, the, the story about Bob Baffert's horse being uh, mm. you know, disqualified or whatever it was exactly. Um, that was on. We were talking about it. We had a panel of experts talking about what, what was happening and why was this happening? What is the future of it? And you, you'll promise me that you'll do that next time there's breaking sports news that you're interested in, but you'll also be a smarter fan because of it, because there's really like clever and smart analysis being given regardless of the breaking news story. And so when you go and you talk about, you know, there's a bunch of Yankees that are sidelined because they were vaccinated, but they still have COVID or mm. whatever, you know, a, a player's hurt in a different sport. The the Lakers going into the play-in game against Golden State and Steph Curry um, leading the league in scoring this year. You'll be smarter for it because you've watched 10 minutes of CBS Sports HQ and you've seen and heard analysis that is just it's second-level stuff, and it's really good, and a lot of people work really hard on it. So CBSSportsHQ.com or on the CBS Sports app, Totally free. You don't have to give your email address. You don't have to give your credit card. You just click a button and you're watching highlights, scores, betting tips, all the stuff that makes you a better sports fan. That's a company man right there. Good job. A lot of people work really, really hard on it, like I said, and it's a really, really good product. Plus, Fantasy <laughs> Football Today is on it. So why don't right. you guys catch fantasy advice on there as well? Yeah. Love it. Matt, you're my favorite person, man. <laughs> Try to see. I'm still looking for the Wheel of Fortune, Dave Richards special. <laughs> You're not getting it. I, I was looking too. I'm not or gonna lie. No, I was looking. You know, unless you know somebody at Sony Pictures or something like that. I was. I, I'm My searching hard, not. and all I came up with was uh, Ricky's wings. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I swear I'm going to try that place for real. Well, I mean, should we share it live? When, when I get it or what we talked about? No, what, what I've got on my screen. What have you got? Oh. Oh, no. Uh, Let's see this. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> there it oh, is. There oh, Ricky's wings. <laughs> it all comes back. I hope there it all there. comes back. Look at these wings. They look good. <laughs> Anywhere they got a big wooden bear, you got to go for it, right? Oh, Absolutely. yeah. 
<laughs> so, little little uh, little tidbit: the guy that started this place <laughs> is also um, the father of the Mrs. Pac-Man champion of the world. Wow, that's unbelievable! I didn't even know there was a world championship for that. Oh, there, yes, there is. How many levels did he go? Uh, we're gonna have to Google that. Here's Billy Mitchell. Let's see. Let's see. Billy Mitchell, <laughs> Ms. Pac-Man. We need to send this clip to Chad Parsons because I know how much he loves Bob, and this will be perfect for him. Yes. <laughs> Just Bob being Bob. That's all it is. Right? So while we're we're looking at this, this might be a yes. special after the show kind of thing. Here. Yeah. Uh, I just want to make sure we get out here at a decent time here. So. Um, for Dave, uh, Richard there, for Calvin Shoemake, Major Caldwell, Tara Roberts, and Bob Gilchrist. You can catch their Twitter handles there on the, on the screen there as well. I leave you with five simple letters and a little imagery. R-S-T-L-E. And if you're into accepting fantasy football advice, pretend fantasy football advice is in the form of a six-inch Subway sandwich. And let Dave feed you that advice and help you win. <laughs> and this has been the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. And we're gone. We're not worthy.